Good morning, church. Hey, great to be here with you. Uh, if you are a guest, I want to always just say, hey, we're so glad you're here. Just a warm welcome to you. And for those of you who are watching online, we're glad you're tuned in as well. Uh, we uh, have been in a series um, called The Names of God. And uh, the reason we're studying these, these various names, because we said these names teach us something about God's character. Uh, we talked about week one. We saw that the Bible itself teaches us that there are other gods, lowercase g gods, but other gods. And it's important for us to understand then who is our God? Who is Yahweh? Who is this God that we as believers worship and follow? About three weeks ago, I, uh, I was in the mood for some snacks. So I, I went to the, the local gas station by our house bought some chips and some stuff, got some candy as well, and then uh, came home. Uh, it was just snacking on these chips and eating some candy. Uh, it was my day off, and I, I, I ended up just taking a nap or trying to take a nap because right around the time I was trying to fall asleep, my, my kids came home. Uh, they had been out with their mom, Danielle, and they come home, and, uh, you know, they knew I was taking a nap, but... As where I would have maybe liked them to have, you know, done a little tiptoeing, they, they, they didn't tiptoe. They stomped around the house, opening doors, maybe trying to be a little, you know, respectful. But at the end of the day, I wasn't, I wasn't going to nap. And, and, and I, I was falling asleep when I heard the door open in the room I was in. I kind of heard somebody grabbing the bag. And next thing I know, my chips are gone. <laughs> my candy's gone. All right, I'm too tired to get up, but by the time I do get up, I go in the other room. I mean, those chips are completely finished, okay? I mean, it's to the point where, like, when I say finished, like, where they even did that thing, you know, where you get, like, every glass crumb, like, two things of salt left. And, and you know, don't feel too, too bad for me, though, because last week was Halloween. They brought the candy home. Daddy got his payback, all right? So I just say that. Don't feel too bad for me, but... Why do my kids do that? Why would they think they can just come home, stomp around the house, eat all of dad's chips, right? Eat dad's candy. Well, it's because I'm their dad. <laughs> and it's their home. <laughs> and they feel very comfortable in their father's house. This morning, we're going to be looking at this name that we, we read in the scriptures. And the name is... Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Okay, this comes from Romans 8, verses 15 and 17. Let me read this for us. It says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I should underline that word slaves there. He says, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, okay? So we are adopted as God's own children. He says, now we call him what? Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. It means we have an amazing inheritance as believers. Everything that's the Father's will one day be ours. And we get to enjoy some of that even, even now. Okay. 
Uh, you might not know this. Maybe some of you grew up in church. Maybe you've heard this, this idea of Abba, and, and you heard that it, it, you know, it's, it's this idea. It, it can mean, like, daddy. Um, but you might not be aware that there's kind of like a debate that revolves around this, this word, okay? And so um, I just, I went to Google and to see what was, you know, do some research. What was Google going to say that this word means? Uh, it was interesting, like the first article that popped up was an article challenging the idea that Abba means daddy. And it was like, no, it doesn't mean daddy. Adults used it. You should only ever understand Abba to mean father, to mean father. It does not mean daddy. It means father, okay? And this is like the first article that popped up on Google. And so that caused me then, go, well, that's not what I've, I've heard. And so I went to my commentary uh, Dr. Craig Keener is a foremost scholar on the cultural background of the Bible. So I wanted to hear what Dr. Craig Keener had to say. And uh, let me just read for you what, what, what Dr. Craig Keener said about this word. He said, Abba is the Aramaic word. So it's an Aramaic word, which is kind of interesting in itself because the New Testament's written in Greek. But it says, Abba is the Aramaic word for Papa. He said, it's a term of great intimacy and affectionate respect. It was normally the first word a child would utter, but adults could use it for their fathers as well. So Dr. Craig Keener says the name is somewhat similar to the idea of daddy. It's this idea of, of, of papa. And I just got to be honest with you, I'm going to trust Dr. Craig Keener than, than over what somebody wrote, you know, on Google. You know, you don't trust everything you read on the internet, Right. Abraham Lincoln said that, right? Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to Dr. Craig Keener because I know I've, I've used him uh, in the past in my studies. Uh, he, he really is a scholar, but it got me to wondering why is there this debate at all? Why is there this debate between, is, it, is Abba mean father and we only need to understand it as father so that we give God the utmost respect? Or is it more of this affectionate term, more of this intimate term that means papa, uh, uh, dada, daddy? Because when I look at the word, and if you look at it, I mean, it makes sense itself that it, it, it means a little more than just father, right? Um, if you think about little kids, those of you who have had, you know, little kids and, and they, they grow up, the, the first word that comes out of their mouth towards their dad, it's not, it's not father. That's a little bit of a harder word for, 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 you know, children to say, father, right? If you had like... <laughs> A two-year-old call you father, that would be, right, it'd be a little, it'd be a little weird, right? They don't do that. What do they say? They, they say something like, dada, papa, abba. You can see how this is a term that it makes sense. This would be a term that little kids would use to refer to their dad that is a little different from this understanding of just Father. And it got me to wondering, why, why, why is there this debate then when it seems so clear? And it got me thinking back on my own past, and I, and I realized that for many years I would have struggled thinking of God as my spiritual dada or papa. And I think, I think part of that was just I want to give the utmost respect to God 
I want to treat God with the highest respect. So to think of him like a dada or a papa, it just almost didn't seem right to me. In fact, if I were to be brutally honest, I remember hearing sermons and stuff like that in my younger years. And if, if it was too much about God's love, too much about having, like, God having affections for us, I would probably walk away and balk at that and probably even criticize that a little bit. I say stuff like, that, that was just a little too sappy. Because we're supposed to think of God with the highest of respect. And friends, on one hand, that is true. But here's what I've realized about my own self and my own spiritual journey. Part of the reason I thought that way was because I had a slave mindset. Not a son mindset. And I can't help but wonder how many of us today have more of a slave mindset than we do a son or a daughter mindset. So we're thinking of God as your spiritual papa or dada would be very difficult for you. Let me show you some of the differences between the way a slave thinks and the way a son or daughter thinks. These are all from my own personal journey. Slaves feel tolerated by God. You have the slave mindset. You think God just puts up with you. But children know that they're chosen. In fact, one of the things that we read was, remember, we are adopted into the family of God. We are adopted children. Why is that important? That's important because when you have your own biological children, you get what you get. You get whatever comes out the chute, right? Adopted children are chosen. Adopted children are hand-selected. You realize that's what the Bible teaches, that before you ever loved God, God loved you and drew you to himself. You were selected. You were drawn in. You're not being tolerated. You're being chosen. But see, if you have the slave mindset, God is just putting up with me. Okay? If you have the slave mindset, the second one, is you get fear of disownment. This constant fear that God's going to disown you, cast you out. Sons and daughters don't fear that, feel that way. They, they, they're fearless about God ever disowning them. Like my parents, for all their faults growing up, one thing I can say about my mom and dad, there's nothing I could do that would ever cause them to disown me. But if you have the slave mindset, it's just like it's one mistake away. He's just tolerating you, and you are one mistake away from being cast out of the family. And there's this fear of disownment. In fact, if you're one of those people who whenever I give like a gospel invitation, you're sitting there and I'm like, do you want to invite Christ into your life today? Become a believer, you know? And you're always like raising your hand, saying yes, 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 because it's something I know I did this week. You probably have the slave mindset. You're probably not realizing you don't have to fear disownment just because you made a mistake last week. But that's that's how slaves feel. One mistake away, which brings us to the next one. Slaves are works-based. Sons and daughters are grace-based. Okay? Slaves feel like they got to work for their keep. They got to earn their keep. Uh, Sons and daughters, uh, right, they recognize that they exist in this thing called a relationship. And let me ask you this, those of you who have kids, do you sometimes get into, like, quarrels and sometimes have, like, arguments and Do sometimes your kids just annoy you? Yes. 
You're scared to say it, but yes. I'll say it for you. How many of you ever said, I love you right now, but I don't like you right now? See, that happens in the context of a family relationship. Does that mean you're going to be cast out? Does that mean you're going to be kicked to the curb? Absolutely not. There is a time and place for us to come to the Father, and there's a time and place for us to come to him and say, God, I haven't been acting right. But not with the fear of disownment. That's a slave mindset. Sons and daughters understand grace exists in the family of God. This is one I was reading a book this past week, and it, and it talked about this, and it convicted me. I realized I still struggle with a slave mindset. And, and this, this was the one it brought to mind. Stingy versus being generous. If you have a slave mindset, you're stingy. You just have a, you're like, I, I just, everything I get, I got to hold on to it. It's this poverty mindset. And if you have that, you probably almost look down on people who have Okay, but it's because you, you, it's like everything I get, I got to hold on to it and I got to hold on to it tightly because I don't know where my next blessing is going to come from. Sons and daughters, man, they know, they exist, they live in the Father's house and their God is a very generous God and he wants to be generous to us so we can be generous to others. It's a different mindset and I'm going to be honest with you, I still struggle with this one. And we can end with this, slaves tiptoe, sons and daughters stomp. You know what I mean by that? I don't even fully know what I mean by that. I just know there's a difference. Slaves, tiptoe. Like, God's tolerating me. I got to be. Children come in and they stomp and they bang doors because I belong in the Father's house. It is a different way of thinking. So why do we become slaves? Why do we take on this slavery mindset? Because, I've, man, I'll be honest with you, I think religion perpetuates it. I think some of us grew up in church just got perpetuated by the things we heard growing up, this high respect for God. So I got a tiptoe. That's not Abba Father. That's something else. That's Master Father. And if you live like that, it's going to make you a slave, and it's not what the Father wants. And so I wanted to get to this question, why do we take on the slavery mindset? And I think there's a story in the Bible that answers this, and it's the story of the prodigal son, what's also known as the lost son. So I'm going to, I'm going to read Luke 15 for us, do, give a little commentary as we go, and try to answer this question, why do we take on this slavery mindset? Luke 15, we read, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, okay? Now, this is just, some of us have lived this, right? We're, you know, it's like uh, we, we took for granted the blessings of God the Father and the fact that we are in his home and we started looking out at the world and saying, I want more, and the grass just seemed greener on the other side. So we just kind of wanted to cash out. We wanted to go and live for other things outside of the father's home. So it might have been chasing money and doing whatever we had at whatever cost. It might have been becoming popular, doing whatever we you know, have to do at any cost to be popular. I don't know what, just maybe it's just having fun, right? We all get this, like the, the, the chasing after other things and taking for granted the blessings and the honor we have in the father's home. 
We read on, it says not long after that, though, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And this is pretty significant because this is obviously a Jewish person, and now he's, pigs, are, pigs are considered unclean. He's feeding them, and listen, this gets worse. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I mean, you can imagine this, the dishonor for a Jewish person now, like sleeping with the pigs, longing to eat what they're eating, the slop, basically, that they're eating. And just the honor and the dignity that's been lost, and he's realizing what a fool I've been, what I had when I was in the Father's house, so many blessings. I thought it was going to be better out here, and now here I find myself. It's the thing about sin, right? We think it'll be fun. We think, you know, we'll get our kicks. And for a while you will, but the problem with sin is it always kicks back. And this person is learning that. And so it says verse 20 or verse 17, when he came to his senses, he's realizing what he's lost. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I will go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Listen to this. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to the father. And this just answered for us why we take on a slavery mindset. Because we think God's love for us is based on what we do. That's why we take on a slavery mindset. It's when we think God's love for us, when we think our identity is based on what we do. And I, friends, I've lived this. I come from a past of sin and, you know, drugs and whatnot, doing terrible things, high school dropout, I get all this, came into the Christian faith with that slavery mindset. God, will you just put up with me? Will you just tolerate me? Will you just let me? Maybe I can sleep out in the barn. I understand I'm never going to be one of those great Christians. I'm never going to be one of those Christians that's led a pretty good life. I understand, but maybe you will just tolerate me because I want your blessing. I want what you can provide for me, but I don't expect you to call me a son But I would ask that you would tolerate me. That is what the son is doing here. Why? Because he thinks, and I thought it was based on what we did. Okay? But verse 20, is that, is that how the father wants us to live? No. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for his son. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. And what you need to understand about the context here, friends, is how undignified this is. I mean, this is a Jewish patriarch. This is a wealthy landowner, okay? And, and the idea that he would run, to run in that day, they wore robes, right? And so he'd have to lift his robes, show off his white legs that have never seen the sun. This is undignified. 
he's losing dignity by doing this. And by the way, Jesus is telling this story in front of a bunch of people who have the slave mindset. And one of the things I've learned about people who have the slave mindset, they don't like it when you talk about the father like this. There's a reason Jesus is going to get put up on a cross. Talking about a father who will lift his robes to run. And yet that's the heart of the father he runs. And it got me wondering the question, why? Why does the father run to his son? Maybe, maybe it's because the father knows his son feels unworthy. He knows his son feels ashamed. And he's scared that if his son sees the house, sees, sees his father, he's going to feel so unworthy, he's going to turn around and go the other direction. And so the father runs to him. To make sure he doesn't do that. Some of you, maybe you come into church and maybe you, you've been coming for a few weeks. just like, I don't know. I feel so unworthy of this thing. I feel so un... It's almost like, it, like I'm feeling like maybe even more ashamed of being around other believers. And you're tempted to run. And I'm telling you, if that's you this morning, the Father is running to you. Right. And he's saying, don't turn around. Come into my house. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've, I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, listen to this, quick, quick. My son has a slave mindset. We got to change this quick. Can't let him live in this any longer. Quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine who was dead. He was dead and he's alive again. He was lost. Now he's found. So they began to celebrate. As I want to camp on that for a second. Just the, the fact that the father, right, puts these, these, these articles of clothing on his, his son. It said first he put what, what was a robe. I want you to think about that. Why a robe? Why would he put a robe on him? Because the son, I mean, he, his clothes are dirty. He's been living with the pigs. You can only imagine how dirty his, his clothes are. And I'm sure every time he looks at his clothes, he's just reminded of his past and he's reminded of what he did. And the father says, no, 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 no. We're going to put one of our robes on him, one of the robes that belongs to this household. We're going to put the robe on him so when he looks down, he realizes he's royalty. Friends, you, do you realize that that's what Christ has done for us? He's clothed us in his blood. He's clothed us in his righteousness. He took our sin from us. He took our dirty garbs from us. He cleansed us off. And now he clothes us in his righteousness and his goodness. And when we look down and we see Christ, what we realize is that we belong to the family of God. This is to help change our identity, how we, we see ourselves. Okay, I, I was doing some research this week, and, and, I, and I read that the Bible doesn't really ever call a believer, it doesn't really ever call a Christian a sinner. This is interesting. Now, there are like three debated passages. One, Paul does say, I am a sinner, but he's talking about his past, and he's using it to say, look how good God's been to me as an example for you, what God can do with someone who has a sinful past. But the Bible generally uses that word 300 times sinner, but it never really calls a believer a sinner. But 200 times, it calls believers saints, holy, 
righteous. The Bible doesn't call us sinners. It calls us saints who occasionally sin. And that is a different way to think about yourself, friends. Because some of us grew up and we just said, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I would maybe caution you to stop saying that. Because here's what I've learned. Who we think we are will determine what we do. And we've gotten it backwards. We think what we do determines who we are. But biblically, who we think we are will change the way we live. And so the Bible wants to come and say, listen, you are a saint. You are holy. You are righteous. You have been clothed with the robe of Christ. Know who you are and start walking in it. Start living it, okay? It's really important for us. It says he then puts a, a, a finger, a, a ring on his finger, and these rings, we understand they would have the family seal on them. They'd have the family signet on them, and so what he's saying is you put that ring on him to let him know he belongs to the family. He is a part of this family, so when he looks at that ring, he realizes he now belongs to this family. God wants us to recognize that we belong to the family of God and that what's his is ours. I, I've known my father-in-law since I was 18 years old, and uh, so pretty much my whole adult life uh, I, I've spent with my father-in-law. And one of the things that my, is just true about my father-in-law is he loves his property. He lives on a little property, and he loves his front yard, man. He treats that front yard, green grass, takes care of it, you know. But he's into golf, and so he got me into this terrible game called golf, okay? And I loathe the sport, all right? But he wants to play golf with me. So he gets me out into his yard, his beautiful, lush yard, where we start hitting golf balls. And I'm new to the game, and I am whacking at this, and the divots, guys, that are coming up out of the ground, we're talking about craters, okay? And I am feeling terrible. I mean, these are not, this isn't like a little, this is chunks of land that he is losing as I am swinging this club. And now I'm just feeling terrible, and I look at him, and I say, I am, I am, I am, I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. And he looks at me, and I'll never forget it. He said, I'm not trying to raise grass. I'm trying to raise sons. Yeah, friends, that is the heart of the father. And here's what I've come to realize about my father-in-law. It's not about his yard. It's not even about his golf. You know what it's about? Spending time with me. And the connection he wants to have with me. But if we're always walking on tiptoes and scared to even play the game because we might take a chunk out of his yard, you will miss out. And that's how many of us have done religion. That's how many of us think our relationship with God is supposed to be. And let me tell you something, you're breaking God's heart because actually what he wants is an intimate relationship with you, a connection. Maybe it's not always as respectful as we grew up and heard it should be. You should hear sometimes the way I pray to God. My prayers are all, not always super respectful, y'all. I got to just be honest about that. I tell God how I feel. I tell him when I'm hurting. I tell him when I'm angry with him. 
Because I know he's a God who cares for me, loves me, and he wants that kind of connection with me. And he wants that kind of connection with you. He doesn't want you tiptoeing around his property. He wants you knowing you're a son, you're a daughter, that you belong here. Then the father puts sandals on his feet, and this is significant because slaves did not wear sandals. Okay, all right, they, 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 they went barefoot. So he's saying, son, you're not a slave any longer. I'm putting sandals on your feet, and you're going to start walking and being my son. Now, some of you are out there, and you're sitting there going, yeah, but I've never been a prodigal. I've grown up in the church. I've been a pretty good Christian my whole life. It's hard for me to relate to this prodigal here. Well, I got to tell you, you're not off the hook, okay? Because we read this in verse 25. It says, meanwhile, the older son... The older son who didn't leave, he was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants, and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became very angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Did you guys just catch what I just read? Slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a younger goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son, the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The father goes on to say, my son... You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. You want the goat? I'll give you the goat. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. Do you see this, guys? The, the, the older son, the, right, whether you're the prodigal or whether you're the pretty good Christian, we all can take on the slavery mindset. As long as we continue to think that our identity is based on our actions and what we do and what we've done, we will live with a slavery mindset. And so I got to ask you, what, what, what kind of mindset are you walking in? You slave? Or do you recognize you're a son, a daughter with a God who wants you to call him Abba, Father? Here's what I've learned, guys. And I'll close with this. Your identity is not something you can ever achieve. It's something you simply have to receive. And some of you today, you need to receive what God says is true of you. If you are in Christ, you need to simply receive it. Quit trying to work for it. Quit trying to achieve it and receive it. And so what I did this week, and this might sound a little goofy to some of you, here's what I did. I got up in the morning and I pretended I was putting a robe on. I'd get up and I would act like I was putting a robe on to remind me I am righteous in Christ. I would pretend I was putting a ring on my finger to remind me I belong to the family of God and he doesn't want me tiptoeing around. And then I acted like I was putting sandals 
on my feet when I put on my shoes so that I could walk in that and start stomping because that's what Abba Father wants you to do. Stop tiptoeing and start stomping around knowing that everything that is, is, is yours. And maybe this morning I'm challenging some religious paradigms and I'm challenging this way of thinking about God. But friends, that's why I'm going to encourage you. Stop trying to achieve. And what would happen if as a church, we just started to receive it. You might just find it might change the way you live your life because who you think you are will determine what you do in life. So we're going to end this morning and we're going to get the feast together. Did everyone grab a communion? If you didn't, we've got people in the back who can bring one. Just raise your hand and they'll bring you one. And Jim, we've got someone down here. Thank you, John. And just so you know, these uh, communion cups, they are, um, it's gluten-free, it's grape juice, it's non-alcoholic. So you all know you can be a part of this. How cool is it that we're one big family? <laughs> that you've been invited into the family of God? Is that pretty amazing? Is that pretty incredible? We have an Abba Father, and we don't just have an Abba Father. You know who we also have? We have a big brother. His name is Jesus. We've got an Abba Father, we've got a big brother named Jesus, and we've got each other. We belong to the family of God. That is pretty significant, church. You're going to be the family of God today, and in 10,000 years from now, you're still going to be the family of God. We're going to still be together. Pretty significant because of what our big brother Jesus did for us to bring us into this family. And so as we take communion together, you just peel back this, this top layer. I encourage you to grab the, the wafer there. This represents the body of Christ. His body broken for us. Broken, why? So that we could be healed. So that we could start to be restored. Our big brother did this for us because he loves us. He wants us to be in the family and know who we are. So friends, as we eat, let's give our big brother thanks. We say, thank you, Jesus. We feast on you. <laughs> and then Jesus, his, his, his blood was poured out. And some of you are out here today and you're feeling terrible about something. You're feeling terrible about your past. You're feeling terrible about something in your life. Maybe you're feeling terrible for just being religious and walking around as a slave. Maybe, maybe even treating your kids as slaves. But the good news is we can be washed, we can be cleansed. And friends, we can be covered with the blood of Jesus that reminds us who we really are. We are royalty because of this blood. Have you received it? If you haven't, you can do that right now. We're just gonna peel back that next layer. We're gonna drink it in, we're gonna take it in, we're gonna be cleansed of every sin, we're gonna be washed, we're gonna be purified. And more than that, we're gonna know who we are. We are those robed in the 
righteousness of our big brother, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, big brother. Lord, as we use this family talk today, maybe there's some of us who are struggling with that. But God, I pray you would just do a work in our heart, even right now, just to remind us who we are. That we could get real with you. That we don't have to tiptoe around the kingdom. We can stomp because we are children of the Most High God. What a privilege. But we got to receive it. So I just pray, Lord, that you would open up hearts today by your Spirit that we would receive this calling, what we have been invited into by your grace. And we would walk out of here today and worship, knowing you as our Abba Father. Lord, help us to walk in that so that we will see our lives changed as a result. We pray this in our big brother Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.